Welcome back, or welcome to Grateful and Full of Greatness. I'm your host, Mark Lassini. On this podcast, I sit down with guests who, in my opinion, live their lives with the pursuit of greatness in mind. And this platform allows me to discuss and to explain strategies that go into reaching peak performance. This is episode number five, and my guest is Nick Tennell. When I was 16 and 17 years old, Nick was one of my summer lacrosse coaches and idols. At that time, Nick was a two-time lacrosse All-American at the University of North Carolina, where he won the Turnbull Trophy, the team's most valuable player his junior year. After college, Nick took seven years off and away from lacrosse before making a pro team as a 30-year-old rookie. With a broken wrist and a heart full of undying commitment, Nick led the Denver Outlaws to a championship in 2018. Now... Nick and I play against one another in the Premier Lacrosse League, compete as short stick defensive midfielders, and both use our stories, the sport of lacrosse and training, to teach, learn, and grow with our clients and closest relationship. It's been a privilege to know Nick personally, to develop a friendship with him, and to see him positively impact those around him. Nick, thank you very much for joining me on here. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So you were a mentor and an influence in my life early on uh, when I was in high school, perhaps even before uh, you knew you were. Um, who were some of the mentors early on in your life and in your journey? Um, I think my biggest mentor would, uh, would have to be my, my father. Um, growing up, uh, he was my coach in football and lacrosse. And I mean, he was super, super tough on me growing up um, through sports. So um, just for him, you know, look, looking back on it now, I can't thank him enough for it. Um, during that time, it was, it was pretty tough. Um, but yeah, looking back, he's, he, he kind of pushed me to new limits. Yeah, and, and you use the word toughness, and I think that's a really huge um, part of being a great coach. You hear the word uh, the words tough love get thrown around a lot, um, and I'm, I'm sure that's what you mean. Uh, what sort of... Uh, words other words that would you use to describe your father and in in things that he instilled in you um i mean tough love is for sure the 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 number one thing um but he just he he just pushed me you know he pushed me further than any other coach ever did um he pushed me to limits where you know i don't think people ever find Mm. um and i found them at a younger age um i mean i remember stories when you know, I, I flipped over my handlebars and, and shattered my chin and had 14 stitches. And we had a Pee Wee Super Bowl, you know, Pee Wee football Super Bowl that, that weekend. My mom was about to shut me down. And my dad, what did he do? He ran to Models and got the biggest chin strap he could find and said he's playing. So, I mean, just kind of little things like that, kind of just, you know, pushing through things. Um, yeah, just, just kind of finding finding your, your limits and, and kind of pushing them. Yeah, and I think there's a, a fine line between uh, what's safe and, and, and when, when you should risk it, um, especially nowadays uh, in, in sport when you have all, all this precaution on concussion protocol, on uh, is an individual uh, down, how, many, how much is he or she down, and, and should we keep them out of the game, or, or how do we pursue next steps? And uh, it is a fine line, and, and, and figuring out where, what, whether we should risk it, um, is it worth it, or is it not, 
that takes you all the way to your 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 career um, in the in the pros. Uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, playing with a broken wrist and, and risking it in, in 2018? Uh, so my journey, you know, as you stated, I came back as a 30 year old rookie. Um, my goal at that time was just to make a make a roster. Um, after after I did which was a surprise. I made, I made the roster for the Denver Outlaws. I played in four games um, and was cut that season against Atlanta. Um, we got blown out by Atlanta. And then, uh, so I went home thinking, all right, well, I made it. You know, I accomplished my goals and I was ready to move on. Um, little did I know that the, the Outlaws uh, coaching staff had a different plan for me. So they called me back, invited me back. And, you know, that year when I was cut, we were 0-4 and they actually ended up winning a championship. So... When I'm watching their journey coming back and win the championship, it kind of just lit a fire underneath me. And uh, now I, I, all of a sudden I became obsessed with winning a championship. Um, I wrote those goals on my mirror. I tell a lot of people about that. So I wrote, you know, um, I, like I became obsessed with winning a ring and winning a championship. So I wrote win a championship, get a ring on my mirror. And my fiance at that time hated it. Um, uh, but, but that kind of just to see it every day and remind me, and you know, the days that I didn't want to go and put in the work, that reminded me that I had a, I had a big goal, so I had to, had to do that. So the next season, they invited me back. I played in all, you know, every regular season game. We were the number one seed going into playoffs, and uh, there was a weird ground ball scrum um, off the faceoff. I got pushed from behind, and I landed on my fist and kind of rolled over, and I literally palmed my forearm, um, and then another guy fell on top of me, so I pinned my wrist in half pretty much. Um, I knew it was broken. I came off the field. I told the trainer, I said, look, I just broke my wrist. And he looked at it. He said, it seems pretty stable. And I taped it up and went back in and played the rest of the game. Um, we flew back from New York to Denver and, uh, my hand blew up like a, you know, like a balloon. Yeah. Um, so I went up to him on the plane and like was messing with him, but I kind of put it in his face, like sure this isn't broken. Yeah. Um, we went to the surgeon's house when we landed, um, the Denver Broncos surgeon and, uh, he took a look at it and he, he knew it was kind of broken. So we went, I got all the, you know, all the tests and it confirmed I broke my scaphoid and then tore all the ligaments in my wrist. Mm -hmm. um, so they shut me down right before going into playoffs and we're the number one seed. And I'm looking, I'm watching my dream kind of just, you know, my goals just kind of drift away. Mm -hmm. So that week, I would tell you, I probably cried and pleaded my case at least five times to the coaching staff, mm. to, the sur to the Denver Broncos surgeon, that, that I'll sign any liability waiver I can to play. Yeah. Um, I don't really care. I need to win a championship. I was so obsessed with it. Not, right. look, not looking at the big picture. Right. Um, the surgeon finally just told me, he's like, look, if you damage any, any worse, you could lose the use of your hand. So at that point, I made the decision to, to shut it down. Um, and that was kind of going to be my retirement year. I was kind of just wanting to you know, storybook ending, go out on top. Um, so they fly me to Denver. We beat, um, we beat the Rattlers in the first round of playoffs, and then we're playing Ohio Machine in, in, in the championship game in, in Dallas, Texas. Um, they fly me to that championship game, and, like, honestly, the worst, I think it was, it was the tough, it wasn't the worst, it was the toughest time of my life to be on the sideline and watch because, look, I'm part of the team. We were number one seed all year. Sure. I'm part of the team, but I'm sure. not in that game. Yeah. I get that ring. I get that trophy. That's not the same. Right. I didn't play in that game. Right. I don't look at it that way. So, mm -hmm. like, for me, it just was unfulfilled. Um, we ended up losing that game, and 
just seeing the locker room and after the game and you know I was ready to retire I was ready to hang it up and I called my fiance and I was like I gotta come back for one more year I have to do it I have to do it for myself somebody just told me to do it so now I'm 32 right I was 32 at that time um, we're gonna be 32 for the next season for 2018 I come back we had our ups and downs that season um, um, so in the in the offseason, I should say I opted out of surgery. So I opted out of surgery and I wanted to rehab it myself um, at my own gym and on my own time and all that stuff. So I rehabbed it to about seventy percent, but I knew I was just going to have to cast it every game and just play play through some pain. Right. Um, so I did that. We had our ups and downs that year in two thousand eighteen. We made a little bit of a uh, you know kind of a win. We put some win streaks together late in the season that got us an opportunity in the last game to either make playoffs or not. So we were playing Atlanta. Um, which if you go back to, that was the team I got cut by two years prior. So we're playing them. Um, and uh, right before that game, I get called by workers' comp about my wrist that I haven't seen a doctor in a while and they're going to close the case. But in the back of my head, I knew I needed surgery at some point. Right. So I went back to the doctor a week, like literally maybe three days before that game, four days before the game. And uh, he took a, a, you know, he took an x-ray and, and a CT scan. And uh, came in and was like, I got good news and bad news. I goes, your wrist healed in one spot, um, and then you you broke it in another spot. So during that year, at some point, I broke my wrist again and didn't just didn't even know. I just continued to play with it. So um, and I tell this a lot when I'm speaking to to the youth athletes that I that I train that um, I I won't say I threatened that doctor, but I told him that it, that 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 conversation is going to stay in that room. Right. Um, I'm not, my, I got to finish this. Right, you got to finish it. I told him, I literally told him, I said, right after I win a championship and I get my ring, I'll be back for surgery that day. Hmm. Um, so he didn't tell anyone. Um, I just, you know, casted it a little bit tighter for the Atlanta game. We beat Atlanta. We got in the playoffs. We're playing Chesapeake Bayhawks, which if you go back in my story, before I tried out as a 30-year-old rookie, I tried out for the Bayhawks as a 27-year-old. Hmm. Um, when I was kind of in the middle of trying to come back. Mm. And I just, at that time, I wasn't really serious about it. I just wanted to see where I was. Right. Um, and I came back, and they cut me the last round of, of training camp. So it was Crazy. good. So we, so we see them in, in the first round of playoffs, and we beat them by a goal, I believe, to yeah. get to the, to get to the um, championship game against the Rattlers, who I ended up previously broke my wrist. So yeah. what, I'm, what I'm talking about is that everything comes full circle, right? Absolutely. So, like, Atlanta, I was cut. They went on a championship run that year, um, cut by Chesapeake Bayhawks. Um, I get a chance to play them in the playoffs. And then Rattlers is where I broke my wrist and kind of saw my dreams fade at one point, or at least I thought so, mm. um, and playing them in the championship. We lost to them two times during the year, so it was our third chance at them. Um, yeah, and I just cast it super tight. I remember, like, you know, we won that game, and I got my ring. Um, I got my trophy, got a championship. I remember after the game, and this is like probably, I get like choked up about it. One of the most special moments of my career were when the three captains of the Outlaws, who were Drew Schneider, um, Eric Law, and uh, Matt Bocklet, held up the trophy and, and then called me up first. It was absolutely like, chills. It was just, yeah, it was amazing. Chills. So I went up there, I lifted it over my head, and then almost dropped it on top of my head because my wrist was so freaking weak. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was worth it. I mean, I played through it. 
Um, you know, I got sidelined by it at one point. I just wouldn't let it sideline me again. Sure. I, and listen to that. I mean, not only is it an amazing story, but as I'm listening to it, I'm nodding, and I'm, all I'm thinking to myself is the quote, uh, if your feelings come first, your goals come last. And there's got to be a time where your commitment has to uh, overshadow your feelings. And uh, that goes inside relationships. That goes inside of sport. I'll add a little side note um, to talk about the, the fuel or the logs that were on my fire. Uh, during that 2018 season, uh, I had my best game against you guys two weeks prior. Um, a ton of loose balls, a ton of caused turnovers. I still remember going into the Bayhawks locker room, giving a speech, crying, uh, and then we blew the doors off you guys. Went to New York, lost that game, and then played you in, in the first round of the playoffs, and I was sad. And I remember... You actually might have scored in transition during that game against the Bayhawks. And I, I remember watching it from the sideline, and that fueled me, you know, because yeah. two games prior, uh, I'm, in, I'm in it. And I'm not only in it, I'm playing the best game of my pro career so far. And um, that has extended into my, into my life to this day. And, and, and I've only added it to my fire. But as you were talking there about that story, uh, I was writing down things like uh, what, how you wrote your goals down on the mirror, right? Um, one of my best friends, Michael Quinn, um, who uh, was an All-American, first-team All-American and captain of our team at Yale, uh, he used to do the same thing. And the theory behind it is if you write your goals on a mirror, you don't see yourself, you see what you're going to become. And right when you uh, finish one, you erase it, you put another one up there, and you never even see yourself. You just see who you're meant to become. Another thing that I wrote down is the ups and downs that you were talking about. I mean, that's life, man, and that's why I love sports so much because uh, it's so analogous to, to what happens in life. And then the last thing I wrote down uh, is the, the man in the arena, right? And that's all you wanted to be. You were done being the spectator. Uh, and how that, that speech by Roosevelt finishes is um, the, the person who's marred by blood and sweat, um, the journalist can say all he or she wants about him, um, but he or she in the arena is the one that knows um, victory or defeat, and that's enough, right? Uh, you just wanted to be in there and have your impact, right? Uh, and transition that away from the sport. Uh, we're sitting in your gym, uh, Athlete's Choice. Um, could you share what that's all about and why you started it? And I'm sure it has something to do with, uh, with your life. So after college, I, like you stated, I took off seven years from from all sports. I didn't coach. I didn't, you know, I didn't play. I didn't even touch a stick for seven years. Um, I went through some tough times after uh, college um, that kind of put me into a, a dark place. Um, so with that happening in my life, um, you know, I kind of found rock bottom um, right after college. And I don't know what it was, um, but I know that when you when you dig a hole for yourself, um, you gotta kind of. I mean, I dug a hole and I hit rock bottom. So at that point, I put the shovel down and just started climbing back up. Absolutely. Um, and you know, um, so like the biggest the biggest decision I ever made was to move across the country from New York to California. I had to get away from comfortability. I had to put my back against the wall. I just, I wasn't that person that I was becoming. Um, so the first, the first, you know, decision I made was take whatever I got and move across the country and just start over. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I sold 
solar panels door to door out here. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, I just, I, it was kind of like just finding my way and finding my path again. And the only thing I know is, is the weight room and sports and especially lacrosse. So I got back into just strength and conditioning training and speed training and kind of found my passion again. And then that kind of like put me back into the lacrosse world because, you know, I had a resume of, of, of playing. So I started training some lacrosse athletes out here. Um, and at that time I was getting paid pennies. I was eating Subway for lunch and dinner. I would buy the $5 foot long and eat half for lunch and half for dinner for about two years. I climbed out my passenger door for two years because I couldn't, I didn't have the money to fix my door. I barely had enough money to get to and from work for it with gas. Um, but I loved it again. I started, like, I found my passion again. Like, I didn't care about money. I didn't care about how I was living or, you know, I was living on a couch in Oceanside for a while for, with my buddy, with my uh, buddy who was a Marine down there. So mm. I was living with him and, and commuting, you know, an hour and 10 minutes to work. Um, and like I said, I just, I did it cause I loved it again. Um, so, so when I got back into that world that just, it, it became like, and I'm still in the hole, but I'm, I'm climbing my way out slowly. Um, and I'm just so passionate about what I was doing. So then I moved over to athlete's choice. Um, it was closer to the high school I was coaching at. Um, and, uh, at first Marie and Kevin Hickman owned it. Kevin was a football player in the NFL for the lions. Um, they took me under their wing and they were like my second parents out here. Um, so I can't thank them enough. Um, but I, you know, I started opening the gym, closing the gym, doing things that were not asked of me. Um, and I think that's important when you do anything, um, do it to the best of your ability, do more than you're asked of. So I started doing that. And then when they decided to move, they sold the gym to me. Um, and me being a young you know, I was not a business savvy person at that time. I just wanted, I was just following a passion. Sure. I said yes, didn't know like what I was getting myself into. And it started a whole nother journey of entrepreneurship and, and, and learning business and all that. Um, and then I ran that over to, we used to have a gym, it was 8,000 square foot, um, you know, five minutes away from my new gym. But I ran that for a while. I, I you know, I, I grew it to as, as big as it can get. Um, and then our landlord wanted to take their, their building back for their use because I rented so I kind of got the boot out of that gym and thought thought I was uh, I didn't know what I was going to do um, about a week later from from hearing that news one of my uh, one of my kids dads comes up to me and he goes you ever think about going bigger and I looked at him and I literally turned around and I go it's funny that you mentioned that and he had a building that is now my gym and it's 20,000 square feet we have um an on-site sports medicine recovery where they do Normatec and game ready recovery and percussion therapy and ART and a bunch of other stuff. We have, you know, adult fitness, we have sports performance, youth sports performance, um, and you know, lacrosse skills and stuff like that. But it's, it's 20,000 square feet of just a big playground. Big playground. I mean, uh, what, what comes to mind in, in thinking about you um, feeling in that dark place, and uh, I don't think it's any different from anybody else being in a dark place. The, the first thing that you need to do to get out is change your environment. I mean, that's what you did. You moved across the country, and by doing that, uh, you gave yourself a chance, in my opinion. And then uh, my mental coach at, at Yale, Brian Kane, uh, he always used to say, sail the right ships. 
um, and, and forgive me, I forget the name that you said, uh, but the people that you found um, that gave you a chance, you know, and, and, and you owe stuff to them. But um, we're not alone here, you know, not alone at all. And you have to find people that are willing to give you a chance um, that are going to be um, in your boat with you and, and sail it with you. And and what, what are some of the things that... Did you miss lacrosse did, when you were away from it, or did we, when you came back to it, was it with a different perspective or an appreciation? Um, I've had I've had a love hate relationship with lacrosse throughout my career. I'm back into loving it again. Um, at those that seven year hi- hiatus, I didn't miss it one bit. I didn't think about it. I didn't. I mean. I didn't have any lacrosse equipment. I didn't have any sticks. I didn't have anything to remind me of it. Um, it just, I wanted to get back in the sports world and I thought strength and conditioning and speed enhancement were, were the ticket. Um, and then lo and behold, I just kind of found it again. Mm. Um, and it's kind of like that saying, like if you love some someone, let it go. And if it comes back, it's worth it. It's like, True. I let it go and it came back and found me. Yeah. And I can't, I, I can't, I can't be thankful enough for it to find me because, I mean, it's it's given me a platform to do so much more. Right. And these, uh, all peak performers have pretty rigid uh, routines and habits, um, but they also have positive outlets. Is that what lacrosse is for you? Is it an outlet where you, you can uh, not only have that playground feel to it, but go make it your own, you know, creativity-wise, or is it like that for you? I think it is. Um... I'm still I'm still in this journey and trying to figure that out and kind of you know I'm taking it day by day um, and just being patient with it but yeah I would say it is my outlet I mean it's I do it you think you do something so much that you get sick of it but right now I'm I do it daily and I do it for long hours and right I can't get enough of it yeah and that's right? when that's when you know that you love it you know? and I think it's more I think it's more about the coaching aspect of it yeah. I just am enthralled with getting kids to find their potential yeah. when they don't see them themselves. Right. Um, so like lacrosse is my way to, to get to them. And then on top of it is I've been like kind of, kind of just studying the mindset of an athlete and, and trying to get these kids to understand that I'm setting them up, you know, I'm going to get them to their full potential on the lacrosse field, but I'm setting them up to to be strong in life, to, to live a good life and, and to go through the rough times of life and, and, and figure it out. Yeah. You're more of a mentor. I actually had the privilege of talking to Anson Durant recently over the phone and, uh, we were having a conversation, um, about, and he said something I'll never forget. He said, uh, average players want to be left alone. Good players want to be coached. Great players seek the truth. And I always thought that was interesting uh, and it resonated in my mind. Uh, but Perhaps the craziest thing he said is the worst thing a coach can do is coach and uh, how coaching is just another form of criticism. And, and what you're talking about is, is more mentorship and you're, and you're looking for those uh, individuals that you coach um, or you teach uh, and to um, do everything the same way, no matter what it is, if it's lacrosse or outside the gym, um, have respect for it, have care for it. Give it your all, the commitment that we were talking about earlier in this conversation. Uh, but I think that is huge in, in understanding that if you are a coach and, and lucky enough to have somebody to give you full attention, 
you don't necessarily try to change them inside and out, critique, critique them in every which way. You just try to say, hey, we're going to go on a journey and we're going to find your potential, which is the truth, right? We're, we're going to see what, where you can get to uh, along the ladders. And to add to that, if you don't mind, like what I, what I kind of, and like, look, everything I do is trial and error. I think like you have to understand that failure is part of the process. Huge. And as a coach, I'm continuing to grow. I'm never going to say that I'm the best coach out there. I'm, I'm striving to be it, um, but I find new ways to, to reach new athletes all the time. Absolutely. You know, so, um, yeah, well, it's just... Well, I always say, like, these three things are massive in any teacher, leader, or coach. Uh, that is a passion, curiosity, and grit. And what you're talking about is the curiosity aspect. Because if you don't have that curiosity and you just think you can get... You know all the answers. You have a huge passion for the craft, uh, and you're going to persevere through even if the wall's in the way, rather than uh, staying curious and, and finding out an answer that can circumvent the wall. Uh, then you can run into trouble in terms of reaching your potential as a coach, yeah. right? I mean, that could uh, losing that student mentality, no matter your age, is is that really detrimental? Yeah. And what I've what I've recently exper- uh, experimented with, and it's been crazy. The results I've been getting is. I've been having new new um, new kids that first come in. I've been having them write three goals for me: a personal goal for the season, a team goal for the season, and then a goal that if they told somebody, anybody, that that person would laugh at them. Right? Okay. It's so high and so ridiculous that they don't even believe it themselves. Um, and a lot of times, I have to give it back to them and say, "Hey, shoot, shoot higher." Right? But then once they once they find it, and once I think it's you know realistic, but it's going to take some hard work. I just re, uh, reverse engineer what it's going to take for them to get there. Right. And a lot of the times they look at it and they, they kind of gasp a little bit. I said, look, it's going to take a lot of hard work, a lot of dedication, you know, a lot of practice, a lot of reps and all that stuff. Um, but you can do it. Right. And, I te- and when I tell them and I believe in them, you see their eyes light up, right? And then what I've been finding is I, parents have called me. And I haven't even, I've trained them maybe a, once or twice. Parents have called me and said, what have, what have you said? What did you do to my daughter or son? Goes, they just had a, a game and they scored six goals. They scored eight goals. I'm like, I, you know, I just believed in them. Yeah. Right? So now it gives me time to actually work on the skill development because I just flipped a switch in their, in their, their mindset and they believed in themselves. Now, if we just critique and, 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 and de- like develop the skill set, their speed, their strength, all that, you know, the sky's the limit. Yeah, and I, I think what you also did on top of believing in them is you made them sharpen their view or, or sharpen their focus. And, I mean, Abraham Lincoln said, if you gave me six hours to chop down a tree, I would spend the first four hours sharpening the axe, right? And mm-hmm. by you making them set that laughable goal, if you will, you're, you're I love the name of your gym, Athlete's Choice. You're making it a choice for them to try to hit a small target. I mean, there's a reason why, as cliche it is, as it is, uh, you shoot for the moon, if, even if you miss your landing on the stars, is because if you don't make that target small and you don't shoot directly for that, then you're just throwing rocks in a pond, right? And that's very easy and anybody can do that. And, and greatness is about searching for that one thing and saying, I want that. And I'm willing to put in the time, hours, and everything. And where this extends to, and something I wanted to bring up when you talked about moving your life from New York to California, uh, this comes from Adam Adam Carolla's uh, Take a Knee podcast, where he talks about everybody plays uh, uh, a hand of Jim Rummy, 
and you have these cards, these 10 cards in your hand, right? And you get them dealt and maybe you'll use seven of them and you keep picking up and exchanging the ones that you don't want. Um, but people have a choice to either put those 10 cards away and, and pick up a new hand or try to make the cards in their hand work, you know? And you did something amazing. You were like, forget these 10 cards. I'm going to put them back and I'm going to get dealt another hand and we're going to make this happen. And I know that my passion, my curiosity and, and grit will take me really far. Going on that, uh, let's pull on that thread a little bit. What's different from the Nick Tennell that I first met to the one now? What, what, what would you say is the different uh, aspects of you? That's a great question. Um, I don't think, I mean... You know, when you're in the process, you don't see big results, right? Like I've just, my, my whole thing is, is 1% better each day. So like if I saw the person that was on the sideline coaching you and like just was able to see him right now and then compare him to, I'm, I'm sure I'm completely different. And I hope I'm completely different because like, like I said, like I'm trying to get better every single day, whether that's, whether that's reading, finding different ways to coach, finding different ways to mentor kids. Like what I've been doing recently is spending more time DMing kids and texting them and seeing how they're doing. Like it. it has nothing to do with lacrosse or anything. A lot of these kids are going through a lot of stuff. No, no nobody out. cares about how much you know until they know how much you care. Exactly. So like I, I just spend more time on the little things that I think go so much further than just the X's and O's. So like as coaches, you could be a great speed coach, a great strength coach, but like if you're not reaching them on a deeper level, then like at all, at all doesn't matter. And in, in, in a couple of minutes, I want to get to the fact that you're writing a book and, and sharing your story. But what are the sources of inspiration or uh, resources that you use to prepare as, as a player and coach? Like you, you say you dive into different things, but what are some things like specific things that you dive into as inspiration or resources? Um, I mean... I dabble in a lot of podcasts. I have a 35-minute commute to work, so awesome. I'm trying to I'm trying to listen to more podcasts about successful coaches. I'm trying to listen to um, psychologists, sports psychologists, mindset trainers, mindset coaches. Um, any any little thing that I could learn. I'm not trying to take away the whole the whole way they do something and change my whole way. I'm just trying to take it and make it mine. Absolutely. That's what I'm trying to do and see how it 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 could help in my world because it's it's selfish because I want to help myself in the same time but like it I do it all so I can give it to somebody else of course so I, I do that I'm in a, um, a mastermind so I have um, a mentor coach Cav um, in in Virginia who has been you know amazing for me I wouldn't be telling this story right now without him him and uh, Justin Shank on the growth now movement podcast like those two like I didn't even know I had a story. I didn't even know I was writing a story. Like, I didn't even know I was on this journey. Mm -hmm. I just was going through life and, and becoming 1% better every day. Mm -hmm. And then they made me look back on my journey. And, like, the way they, they tell my story is, like, I go, that's not me. But it's, it's kind of fascinating. So um, I've been diving into that. Um, and then I've, been, I've launched myself into something that I'm very uncomfortable doing and is, is public speaking. So I've been, uh, I've been reaching out to high schools and this is all, I'm doing it for free. I'm not looking to become a, you know, a motivational speaker or anything like that. I'm just, 
I'm going to share my story and hopefully it helps at least one person in that group that I talk to. Well, I mean, the, the surest way to have nothing to give is to give nothing, you know, and, and the fact that you're investing the time in that 35 minute commute, uh, I think that's a, a small hurdle that most uh, of our society can get over, but are choosing not to is, is just throw on an, uh, something you're passionate about rather than listening to the number one hit five times in a row. On, on Z100, and and if you do that, um, then you'll have more to give to others. Uh, something that you were talking about in in terms of listening to those podcasts and taking it in, so uh, and being selfish, and, and, and there is uh, no better feeling than giving information to others. So you're you're taking it in in a selfish manner, so that you can be selfless. Um, I'm reading right now, uh, Trevor Moab's "It Takes What It Takes," and he talks about how his influence is one-tenth of an influence that the person can have on himself. And he's talking about how when he was working with Alabama football players, he really wasn't worried about the top-notch players. He, he said, we need to get everybody involved, and I'm going to give them t- tidbits, but only they can change their mindset ten times, right? I can only give them this one-tenth of a nugget, and hopefully they take it and run with it. Um, but it's all on you to personally develop yourself and build your character up and, and so that you can be better for others, right? Don't try to give too early. Build yourself up first. Um, one thing that I've admired and I've gone through the same, the same thing, uh, same uh, journey is you're a source sick demon now. You weren't always similar to my story. How'd you handle that transition or the change? Um, at that time, I just wanted to get on the field and make a roster. Right. So I knew. So when we went to that first Denver Outlaws training camp, um, there was 104 kids or something like that. Wow. And coach was like, we're taking two guys. Like He was just upfront honest. And he's like, all right, if you play a tack over here, if you play midi over here, play offense midi over here. And like I'm going to say 90% of the kids went to attack or offensive midi. I knew who was on the Denver Outlaws. I knew my best shot was defensive midi, right? Because I knew that I was fast, I knew that I was strong, I knew that I could run the field, and I knew that I could score in transition if need be. Um, so that was my, you know, that was my my way in. Yeah. Um, and the transition has been, you know, over like over my career in MLL, like it was, it was my training was all about speed and strength and, and being able to, you know, like, up some of the top middies in the in the in the world right like yeah. so like it was all about how can I get faster how can I can get more agile how can you know I can change direction faster with PLL that has changed yet again because now I have to have my stick in my hand more I've been yeah. practicing a lot more on off on the offensive side because the transition is so key absolutely so that's yeah. another change I'm going through right now I'm, I'm, I'm adapting my game because I know that all right my job is to stop the other team from scoring yeah but I gotta run the field. I gotta I gotta make the right decision in transition. Give it to the guys that can score better than me for sure. Yeah. And you know, do what I gotta do to put more goals on the, on on the scoreboard. So yeah, and, and uh, if you want to be part of the one percent, you gotta do what the ninety nine other ninety nine percent won't. And uh, listening to the statistics there of being uh, 104 guys trying out and two that make it, you know, one one percent, two percent right there, and and you're you're, you're making 
small choices um, throughout your life, that 1% better each day, so that you can make that roster and then you can have an impact, right? And set up these checkpoints that once you make the team, then what's the next goal? Then what's the next goal? Don't don't think that there's not a staircase to the top or, or to have any impact because you can develop yourself uh, along the way. Um, over time, I've collected, uh, created myself or, or combined what I thought to be elements of excellence that go into peak performer performance um, that peak performers embody. Um, what are a few characteristics that stand out to you um, out of the guys that you've been listening to on podcasts? Because um, uh, success leaves clues. What are these successful people that you're following? Um, what do they have? Oh, that's a loaded question. Um, well, first, let me just let me go through like what I maybe have gathered over you know the years and perfect and, and time. But like my kind of slogan or what I believe in is is fail fast and consistently persevere with passion and patience. That's kind of where my journey I think has has led me, and I think that kind of embodies what what I've gone through in my journey. Um, fail fast is kind of a slogan that I got from one of my coaches here at Athlete's Choice. Um, it's, look, failure is part of success. You have to fail over and over and over again. It's about failing fast, right? So fail, find a better way to do it, move on. Fail again, find a better way to do it, move on, right? Um, and then, and that's kind of perseverance, right? So you persevere through these ups and downs um, as long as you're passionate about it. Sure. And then have patience because it's, it's a process. You're gonna have it's to definitely go through. a process. A lot of people, and I just listened to a podcast yesterday where patience was like, it was like someone that was like, you shouldn't have patience. You should jump into it and everything like that. Yeah, you jump into your passion. Right. But you have to have patience throughout your passion because you're not going to, like, those goals on that mirror, That I got to have patience to that. I got to sure. go through the full C. I got to go through two, three Cs. I got to go through a broken wrist. I got, sure. And all, throughout that whole journey, if you don't have patience, you're probably going to hang it up or move on to something else. Yeah. Have some patience, you know, and, and, uh, and the most important thing of that, because I say, fail fast and consistently persevere with passion and patience is consistency. Mm. Consistency in everything is the I think the the key for everything. If you're not consistent with what you're doing or what you believe in or what you're passionate about, you ain't going to reach oh, your, your, key. your 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 end goal. Yeah, and it's key to longevity, you know. If if you're not consistent and you think you can get away with it every now and then, uh, having those routines and uh, what are some routines that are rigid in your life that keep you kind of stable that you do every day or every other day? I try to, in the morning, um, and I know a lot of people have been talking about this recently, but I've put this into play where I, I start my day with um, with a simple breathing technique. It's probably a different one than most, but this is one I took away from the podcast from a, uh, a, blue, a blue angel. Um, and he is, you know, uh, a pilot in very high stressful conditions and he does a very simple breathing exercise. So it's, um, you, uh, you breathe through your, your right nostril three times with holding the breath at the top and then same thing with the left. And then you do three breaths with both nostrils. And mm. honestly, it just kind of just sets the day. Really. Yeah. It's kind of like making your bed. You, you do one thing to start off the day and you know, you, you kind of just build off that. Right. And I, I, I mean, I love that. I mean, you can go uh, weeks without food, days without water, but only seconds 
uh, without your breath. And I always say uh, to the clients I work with that if you can control your breath, you can control your life. Um, that's what mindfulness is all about. That's what being in the present moment is all about. That's how you stay neutral so that you can focus on the task or action at hand. Uh, but the confidence that we want, the consistency that we want, uh, that's a byproduct that starts with using strategies like controlling your breath, like controlling your next steps. Um, so that's, that's huge. And I, and I love that. Uh, the word authentic is a word that comes to mind when I think about you, Nikki. Uh, when I think of you, you're a tough dude. Uh, you're from Long Island who moved across the country. Tattoos. You started your own uh, performance business your way. How have you stayed so original and genuine throughout the years? I mean, it's just it's just me. That's what you get. Like, like it. Like for instance, like just going back in this in this podcast at the beginning, how you introduced me, and I said thank you, I appreciate. It. Like, I, I was thinking of some big glorious thing to 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 say to you, and like that's what I came up with. Like that's just me. Like I'm just trying to be, I'm just trying to be me on a daily basis. And you know, some days I go, it's like self reflection. Like I go home every day and think about it. At the end of the day, like. There's things I want to change about myself, but that that's me. That's who you get. Like sure. you can't, you know, everyone has a fault or, you know, my big thing is I, I react really fast sometimes. And no, I, I love that. And um, if there's a, a fork in the road pivot, right, and, and being able to fail fast like you were talking about, react, not dwell, uh, not stay in this lull of worry, uh, and just what's next, right? And and. and and that's what neutral thinking, that's what that's what staying task-oriented is all about is, well, what are my choices? I'm going to choose one, and then I'm going to go full steam ahead. Um, I, I think I think that comes from my mother, too, going back on that, that point. Um, when I was younger, and just like little things like I would wait last second to do a project, or I'd be stressing about a game, whatever it may be, mm. she would always comfort me with, with saying that, like, you could stress, worry, you know, Cry whatever about this and and about it all you want. At the end of the day, it's gonna move on. It's it, everything's gonna work out. It's gonna mm. be okay, mm. right? And if you have that mindset, of like no matter what you're going through, and you know, obviously you got to do things to get out of it, but or do your best to get out of it. But like at the end of the day, like everything always works out. It mm. always comes full circle, and everything works out just the way it's supposed to. Yeah, love it. And. Uh, Ever since I met you, and, and, and even today, I see like so, so many commonalities um, between us two, and I love how you're just saying you're just you're just you, um, because most that's that's what most uh, P performers are. They're 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 common people that do uncommon things, right? And uh, sitting down with you here today, uh, the, the analogy that I love to use is if you had a penny and I had a penny and we exchanged pennies, we'd still only have one penny. But if you have an idea and I have an idea, whether it be about performance, whether it be about managing stress or about sharing stories, um, it, we both have two ideas now with the, po- the possibility of much more. So much of the mental game that I continue to learn, teach, and obsess over uh, deals with using applied psychology to relax and energize when necessary. Uh, Nevertheless, it was important to me to add the word grateful in the name of my podcast. Uh, I remain so grateful for the relationships I've made, uh, experiences I've been fortunate enough to have, um, but also the pain uh, that helped build me into who I am today. Uh, whether it was physical pain, um, emotional pain from uh, relationship breakups, uh, 
do you have that same or similar view on, on pain, pain helping you? Uh, uh, tough question. And the way, way, way it really goes about, go about it is like, you kind of have to be grateful. You, you're not going to be who you are today, uh, without yeah, that. And I mean, going back, like we can go back to like right out of college. Um, and I'm going to share this because I think it's, it's important to, um, I mean, I've only, I've sp- spoke to three groups now and I've shared it with a couple more people, but I suppressed 11 years of feeling of, of suppressed my emotions and feelings. And really like the, during those dark days I was talking about right after college, like I lost one of my best friends, um, to a gang initiation. He was shot up in Albany, New York. And that's kind of, um, and then, and then like a month to the date, I lost another friend that hung himself. Um, so like that pain, I wish on nobody. Sure. I'm still going through it. Um, but has it, has it driven me to be better? 100%. Um, has it, I never want to like come off as like that happened to me and now I'm here. Like that's not, it happened in life and those are the cards you're dealt with. Like you said, um, but yeah, I mean, I think pain is part of the process, just like failure is just like breaking your wrist and coming back and fighting through it. Like all this stuff kind of catapults you in a certain way. And like, I'm not gonna lie. Like I was, I was in, like, when I say dark, I was, it was bad. Mm. as bad as it gets Mm. um but if if you could take something away from it like no matter how dark it gets there's always there's always a way to climb out of it like i said you got to just stop digging and get one and that's the one percent better thing i literally was in a hole and i'm probably still in that hole i'm still just climbing right so every day and and now what it's catapulted me in is is talking about it i didn't know this story right this is this is my story and it, it i just thought it was just normal um and like I, it's just, it's climbing out of it and continue to climb out of it. I think life is a climb. You just got to keep doing it. Yeah. You just got to keep climbing every day. And uh, it's, you know, I went through some tough times in my life at a young age and I don't know, just I, from, from my message for anybody that's going through out, like through that out there mm. is there's better days out. There's better days in the future, Definitely. but you got to take control of yourself. You got to take control of little things i tell i tell i tell kids all the day like every all the time kids that get injured or anything like that what can they do while they're injured to to better themselves what can they like one you could always do something to get better right and it doesn't have to be huge it's small little things and you know a year goes by as fast as it does you look back on that year and you did one small thing each day it adds up to a lot right so I think that's kind of... Yeah, I, I mean, I was over in uh, Japan, uh, and they have a saying, Kaizen, which means continuous and incremental improvement. And that should be the number one goal, always, right? It doesn't matter if we're talking about our character. It doesn't matter if we're talking about our relationships or that thing that we really want to do and have an impact, that calling that we feel, that uh, that that purpose that we have, that anything that we can do to have meaning or have happiness just you'll get there you know if you put the work in 
uh, and then combined it with a little uh, contagious cocktail of passion, curiosity, and grit, um, you, you will get there. And I, I love that you keep coming back to this 1% better, but it's true, right? It, that That's what it's all about. Um, and, and another thing that I found by by finally telling my story, because like I said, I've been doing some more public speaking and, and trying to reach kids on a different level that are going through some tough times. Um, by telling my story and getting it off my shoulders of those 11 years that I suppressed has selfishly helped me. And writing it down. And writing it down, yeah. Right. So you're writing, writing, you're writing, writing a book? Story, yep, writing my book and then, and, then, and then doing the speaking. And it puts me in a very vulnerable state that, I don't, that athletes don't see me in, in the gym. I'm not, you know, I'm not... It's crazy. My next question is, uh, w- w- what is something that people don't really know about Nick Tennell? And you, you said it's that vulnerability that they don't really know about. Yeah, they they when they hear my story, I mean, kids are on their phones all the time. They're messing around. Like I got high school boys like sitting on the couch, and when I tell my story, it's not a, there's not a there's not a sound in the room. Oh right. I get their attention pretty quick, and when they see, and these are kids that I've coached since they were little kids, right? So now they're in high school, and uh, to I think for them to hear it is great for their takeaway. I'm trying to like hone in my story where they can take more away from it yeah. right now I'm just kind of telling my story and getting it off my shoulders and stuff but I can't tell you how much it's helped me which I'm so thankful and grateful for them to listen mm. because I'm hoping it helps them but in the same time it's it's helping me move on a little bit yeah I think I mean my my senior year of high school I uh Got a career-ending uh, football concussion. Right, never played football again after that. I uh, fractured my spine uh, in my senior year of, of lacrosse, and then my mom got diagnosed with lymphoma. And you know, I'm young, and I'm trying to deal with that pain. And the reason why I asked you is, are you grateful for it? Because I just know that it's it's like you said, pain is part of the process. And if you can keep uh, punching the rock and stay in the fight. Uh, and, and, and keep your head above water and, and use relationships, right? I'm sure you've leaned on a lot of relationships in your time and, and that, that, that big circle of friends has turned to a square. Which, uh, But one of the last lines in this It Takes What It Takes um, from, from Trevor Moab is, he says, uh, don't ever place a period where God placed a comma. I love that. You know, I love that because it's like... His whole story is about neutral thinking, you know, how, how negative thinking always works, positive thinking doesn't always work, but neutral thinking allows you to tackle what's next. And I love that. And I think if you can continue to stack commas, and, and I did this and, and I did this and, and I did this and. Um, so one thing I want to transfer over is a quick word association, and I'm going to say a word or a phrase, and you tell me what comes to mind um, right, right, from, right from your gut. Uh, training. skill we should all attempt to become one percent better joy comes from passion so one of the chapters from uh the book the seven habits of highly effective people is begin with the end in mind uh where's nick tinnell going where's athlete's choice going you know what? Uh, so, I will tell you this. I'll share this with you. Is coming off the championship season in 2018, 
when I wrote those goals on the mirror, mm-hmm. going into the PLL, which again, I was going to retire, but you know, decided to give it one more shot. I was excited about where lacrosse was going at that point. Sure. Um, I came out of a cast a month before training camp last year and didn't do what I should have done before training camp. I should have been in better shape. I should have done something more when I look back at it. Um, another piece of that is I wore 88. Um, I switched over from zero to 88. 88 was Bailey's number, my friend that got shot and killed. So um, the emotion overtook my game, but I didn't play as well last year um, that I would have liked. Um, so getting back into it, um, I wrote goals for this upcoming PLL season because it lit a fire under my ass last year. And uh, we'll see if those goals come to fruition this year. I love it. Um, but getting back to that. I love it. And, uh, does that answer your question? No, it does. And, and, and uh, to take it a step further and continue down this road or this question is, uh, I always say when goal setting, uh, most people uh, understand setting a SMART goal, right? A specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, time-bound goal, all right? You don't want to just lose weight. You want to lose 10 pounds in two weeks and all that stuff. But what really gets it done is starting with who you want to be, then worrying about the steps, and then the the what or the outcome is a byproduct, right? So uh, you want to be the best what, that's who you want to be, right? And then the steps will follow and the byproduct or the outcome you want or or your goals being hit rather than setting these goals just based on what and expecting the outcome to be the, the who you are. Right, so if a person wants to lose 10 pounds, uh, maybe their goal should be an athlete. Right? What do athletes do? They eat well, they recover well, they get enough sleep, they uh, surround themselves in, in, a, in a stress environment that's positive. Uh, going on that environment side of things, what's your environment look like now? Um, I see actually on social media that, that you're doing yoga um, with, with your significant other and all that stuff. Has yeah, that been great? Yeah, but it's, uh, she kind of tricked me into that a little bit. She, uh, <laughs> she told me if I wanted to do a, a yoga challenge with her, and I said, sure. And the first one was like separate poses. And then she goes, yeah, it's a 30-day challenge, by the way. And we already posted, so I, I was committed. <laughs> and then I look at all the, the acro yoga that she had me signed up for, and I was like, how? gonna do this well the feelings come first the goals come last so you gotta but it's been it was great it was a great experience it was was like couples therapy like we were like so it was she's super into yoga and into aerial arts and and lira and hoops and all this um silks so she does like the Cirque du Soleil thing so that's up like that's right up her alley and it it was a way for us to connect on a different different way and I'm telling you those like if you guys follow me like those pose, those poses, and that that challenge, like it would take forty five minutes to an anywhere from forty five minutes to an hour and a half doing, and we'd fail so many times. We'd we'd like yell at each other. It was like couples therapy. It was like couples therapy. It was literally couples therapy, and we and then like I would be like, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm done. I'm over it. I'm, we failed at this one, and then I, you know, obviously me being a competitor, I'd be, all right, let's do it, and then right. we, and then we'd figure it out. Right. Every time we figured it out. So um, yeah, I do that. I mean, the one big thing for me. Um, that I've changed in my routine recently is nutrition. Nice. Nutrition hasn't been hasn't been a staple of mine, but I uh, currently um, and for me it's I'm just I'm just not into cooking. I'm not into cleaning up after I cook and all that stuff. So I just went with a meal prep company that has exactly what I need as an athlete. Um, it's prepped by Beck, 
and she does a great job. It's super convenient for me. It's delivered to my door every Sunday, and I got meals for the week. Oh, that's awesome. The only thing that I do is I, I, you know, I cook breakfast in the morning because I have a breakfast routine that I have. So. There you go. Routines are important. Yeah. One thing, uh, one of my mentors uh, defined yoga, and I've added yoga to my routines as well, at least once a week, uh, is he defined it as emotional, spiritual, and physical alignment. And the reason why I'm a big proponent, and I wasn't always a big proponent of yoga, uh, is that you have to be in the moment. And that's where peak performance is. You have to be in the moment when you're doing yoga. Imagine if you're thinking about uh, something in the future when you're trying to hold one of those poses. Yeah. Impossible. It's, mm-hmm. it's impossible. Uh, and that's what focuses, forces you to do, is become more mindful of where your hand placement is, of where your body alignment is in space, uh, and then if you're doing it with a partner, I'm sure that evening increases the challenge of making sure your stability is right. And and I think even more importantly is breath. It gets you to your, you got to breathe, you know, through it. And it's funny, like, I think that I breathe really well during stressful situations like lacrosse and, and high impact sports and all that stuff and high energy um, games. But with yoga, when I'm doing it with my fiance, Ariel, like, I see her get into a zone that I I can't get into so I feed off it and then I find my breath and then we kind of like I kind of feed off her and that's when I see us actually complete it or do what we're we're trying to do so um, the breath work has been huge for me Um, and even when I'm just doing like mobility or or stretching and all that it's all it's not about stretching and, and cranking your leg up as hard as you can it's about going to your end range of motion and breathing through it the yeah. breath work is what releases your muscles and that's kind of the key to any of that stuff in my opinion yeah i mean you used the term that you were feeding off of ariel during the yoga and and then you talked about earlier how um you're still trying to figure things out yourself and what i would say um just from following you since i was a teen and, and now being your friend is that people feed off you too man and, and i know you're trying to feed uh uh figure it out yourself but in some ways, you have figured it out, too, because your energy is contagious every time I come in this gym. Uh, I've known you since I was younger, and I, that was contagious for me. It made me want to be uh, a, an animal on the field. You know, I looked up to you, and I was like, who is this guy at UNC wearing the colors that I want to wear and all that stuff? And it, it was it was really I fed off that energy and I have for a long time and and where that fits into is uh, I was listening to a finding match mastery uh, podcast with Angela Nath um, who's uh, she has Lyme's disease she's been through divorce uh, she's an Ironman athlete she's one of a few women that have broken the nine-hour mark uh, multiple times and I reached out to her after I listened to it because it was all about self-discovery and one of the pieces uh, of advice that she gave to me was open my heart to opportunity I thought that was interesting I was looking for a kind of like a technique and performance and all this stuff and it was just open your heart uh, to opportunity and that kind of is all encompassing in self-discovery and that's kind of what I feel when we're having this conversation um, it's a lot about self-discovery but you're, you're also going through it and it has to be fun, right? If you had it all figured out, it'd be kind of boring. Yeah. It'd be kind of boring if you had it all figured out. No, I um, I think that's... I, honestly, that just taught me something. Like, I think that... Like, when I was going through that journey from New York to California, and when I found my passion for strength and conditioning and lacrosse again, like, I think that opened my heart to coaching. So, at that time, I wasn't playing anymore. I didn't have any itch to play until a couple years later, but that opened my heart to, like my passion for reaching the youth level. Yeah. I don't, uh, like, 
it's well known. Like we we coach youth athletes from first grade, you know, through through college and pro and everything like that. But the youth is my my main thing. I open my heart to these kids that need it, um, and I think that's led me on a lot of different paths that you know it's led me back to playing oh yeah coaching led me back to playing i never wanted to and then when i'm coaching and i'm seeing the passion of these kids and what they're going through and what they're living through like it made me want to compete again so that got me to that right then then you could talk about the whole story of breaking my wrist and all that stuff whatever but then it's like all right i i i'm i'm getting really good at coaching these kids with x's and o's Mm. what's my next thing let's open up my story to these kids to teach them even more let them get into like my life so maybe that one time when they go through their hardship they could look back as me as an example and 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 move forward so it opened my heart to now the public speaking thing which i'm definitely scared of still i'm getting nervous doing it i don't like doing it but but if it's helping someone else i'm gonna dive into it so i'm just following my heart yeah and, and i mean a wave doesn't start where it crashes and a flower doesn't bloom right where it does, right? It, there's a process to it. Uh, as a coach, uh, as a peak performer yourself, and as a phenomenal person and player, how do you define greatness? Define greatness. Um, doing everything in your power to reach your full potential. I love that. Because look, at the end of the day, like it's simple as this, and this will relate to your lacrosse community. But you know, it it's you gotta be when you coach, you gotta be kind of upfront sometimes. And you know, there's there's players out there that pick up a stick and they could do ten minutes of wall wall day and and be a great player. Yeah. If that other player that is not as gifted as them, you need to tell them that hey, in order for you to be that good, it's gonna take you forty minutes a day. Yeah. Are you willing to do it? Like, yeah. So it's about potential, right? How could I get the most of it? It's like, I can't, I can't ever be Michael Jordan or LeBron James. I can't, like, but I can be Nick Tinnell. What's my full potential? What is, and honestly, the way I look at it is I haven't even touched it. Right. And I think that, I think for me, I'm just chasing that. I'm chasing greatness. I'm chasing, I'm, I'm chasing whatever that may be to just keep finding new things about myself yeah. and, and grow. Whether yeah. that's in lacrosse coaching you know right now it's 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 you know what i'm doing i'm right. i'm playing still and i'm still trying to I, I haven't performed the best i could be on a lacrosse field i know it right so and i'm just doing the little things day in day out to do that as far as coaching and being a business owner i haven't even touched i haven't even scratched the surface oh and you'll do that and uh, I, over one oh, percent i'm, I'm 1%. diving into it right now and it's really exciting so well, life's a strategy game, and it's about figuring out the ways to be successful. It's kind of why I started this podcast to sit down um, with people like you. Um, but there's no substitute for for hard work, right? You, there's there's different strategies that you can substitute, um, but there's no uh, substitute for hard work. And 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 based on your answer there, where you say doing everything in your power um, to reach your potential, uh, makes me think of the the famous Ollie Gelston, uh, great basketball coach. Only rule. The only rule he's ever had is be at the right place at the right time and do the right thing. And what's right for one person might be different for another. Um, but if you can follow that rule, um, figure out the strategies that are going to get you to fulfilling your passions and to fill, fulfill, uh, do your craft at the best of your ability, um, then that's what it's all about. But there's no substitute for the hard work. Nick, I really appreciate you coming on, man. It was uh, 
awesome to finally uh, not idol become your rival type of thing, but idol goes rival then friend. And I, I love sharing uh, ideas with you. I love growing alongside you, being your friend now, and and and, and chasing this this dream together. It's been a journey, man, and uh, you make me feel old since I coached you and now play <laughs> against you. But um, I'm looking forward to competing and and continuing our friendship. Thanks, brother.